you might remember New Year's Eve. We went through important things for the new year. And how do we kick off a new year really well? The first thing was being in the Word. That's the Bible. We discussed how we can hear God's Word, like if you're reading it out loud, or you're having Blue Letter Bible or an app read it to you. You can read God's Word. I'm sorry, you can hear God's Word, and then you read God's Word. You memorize God's Word. You study God's Word. You meditate on it. We discussed how it's important when we're meditating and we're not letting the world creep in on what that means. No, we're filling our mind with Scripture. And we're going over and over again, God, what have you spoken? Help me understand it, right? So there's many ways that we can be in the Word of God, spending our time being nourished by it, enjoying it, hearing God speak. We have it right here. And so then, like a daily reading plan, if you guys need one or you haven't picked one up yet in the fellowship hall, there's a table with all the resources for praying, for being in the Word, whatever you might need, it's there. I would encourage you, if you haven't, check it out. But that this year would be different than last year, and it would be a thing where we can get after it in a different way, and that God would work. And so the very first thing, man, I want to be in his word, washing myself in it on a daily basis and considering him and how worthy and how good he is. The second thing was prayer. And we talked about how it is our life, how prayer is something that you learn. The disciples time and again would ask Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And so as we sit before the Lord, hanging out in his word, we're asking God, teach me to pray. What's it like to interact with you in this way now? Prayer is needed and it's necessary. And the reason I say that is Jesus said, when you pray. He didn't say if you pray. And so he said, when you pray, it's just something that's expected of his people. And here's why, because prayer is is enjoying the fruit of the gospel that I'm no longer separated from God because of sin. I've been set free from that. That the beauty of the cross and what Christ has done has connected me once again with the Father. And we get to experience that through prayer. And so your guys' lives of prayer and your time spending with the Lord, that's maybe how you could articulate it. Prayer and the word of God and, and meditating upon that is maybe how we would say it's like that time of prayer. That time of being with the Lord, his word, being in the word, being in prayer. You're hanging out in his presence, allowing him time to speak to you and minister to your heart. And so spending that time in prayer is a fruit of the gospel. We have that access now because of what Jesus has done. We're going to celebrate communion this morning. And if you remember, Paul had read it during the second service. The veil was torn from top to bottom. And that just screams that we now have access to the Father because of the blood of Jesus. That's good news. You guys woke up to that this morning. Those of you who are born again, we have it. It's so exciting. So word, prayer, and then finally fellowship, that this would be the year where you either continue or for the first time or deeper, get involved in things where other, like men where men are and women where women are, and then together as families, together as the body of Christ. And that if you haven't gotten plugged in, that this would be the year that you would. Deep community where you're positioning yourself, I'll speak to the guys like I have, you're positioning yourself where other men can confront you in, the, in godly ways, where you're not an island to yourself, but you're accountable for your actions. Why? Because here's why. I want to be a better husband, and I want to be a better father, 
And I want to follow Jesus like I know I should. And I've got brothers who hold me accountable to that. And I want to encourage you guys, if you don't, you're missing out. And so we want to create opportunities and space for that, for you guys to get involved, women, you as well. That you'd surround yourself with people who are passionately in love with Jesus. Super simple, nothing fancy about it, but like actually want to follow Jesus. Not a religion. They want to follow Jesus. They want to read the word. They want to follow after what it says. And so maybe this year would be that, right? And so recap, that was New Year's Eve. We also went through 2024 scripture. And I want to present this to you guys once again and roll through it. It'll be very quick, but I want you to just see it again. And before we get out of here and sprint on, you know, throughout the year, and we'll revisit this, but I want you to see it again, okay? Read these things, meditate upon it, think about it, and pray these things into the church. Pray them for the church. Pray them for you and your household and so on. The first thing was John chapter 11 and verse 40. It says, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And we are asking the Lord to help us believe to trust in him, that if he calls us to do this or to do that, I would believe and trust and be led by the spirit to do it. Knowing that we serve a God of miracles, he still does them. He still answers prayer. He still does these things. And like for me personally, I want to believe. I want to trust in him. I want to rely upon him. I want to adhere to him. And there's a particular aspect of my will and decision-making that I want to believe him. And if I believe him, there's something different about my actions now because of that. Something changes. I can't just have lip service and say, oh yeah, I believe, and nothing changes in my life. Uh, Belief is seen through action. And so, yes, Lord, if I would believe, I will see the glory of God. I want to see God's glory. I want to see that move of God's spirit. All right, well, let's believe. As a church, let's believe. Can you imagine? We got hundreds of people You guys are third service? There's been hundreds of people before you in the other services. Imagine if hundreds of people were praying these things. I know I already said this. (laughs) Just let me say it again, please. Hundreds of people praying into these things and walking in this and believing to see the glory of God. Listen, some things are hard. Let's believe, right? Okay, the next one is Ephesians 3.19. Not all of these will take so long, but this one actually will. To know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, surpasses knowledge, And then that you would be filled with the fullness of God. That's a good prayer, isn't it? Can I ask you guys to pray these for the church, to pray these for you yourself, to pray these for your family, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. I want to know that. I want to know his love like I've never known and sensed his love. It's a fruit of the spirit to love. We have some friends that are going to be moving here in, uh, in March from San Diego. They were here and visiting, sharing some cool stories. And this guy was part of Horizon San Diego, where Bill and Vi had started. And we're going to go through the history here in a second. It'll be fun, I hope, for some of you. But he was just talking and sharing about what it was like during the Jesus Revolution and what all God was doing then in, in San Diego. But he was doing it from a perspective of an 11-year-old. He was 11 at the time. His dad and Bill ran around together and did ministry together for a time, but he was just sharing what it was like. And I loved what he said, and I'm like, God, would you do that? And that's why I love this verse. He said that the, 
When he walked in as an 11-year-old, he said the love of Christ was just so thick, he couldn't handle it. He just remembers love and being loved. And that's what you guys do for one another, that when people come to be a part of this place, I'm like, Lord, let them know they are loved. Not the kind of love the world does, but like a deep love that Christ has shown us. I've been loved. And he said it was so thick, the love was like liquid. You just, you couldn't get away from it. I'm like, oh, Lord, would you do that? It's a work of his spirit, right? I can't fake that. I can't conjure that up. It's genuinely a work of God's spirit, but let's ask for that. I think this is good. I want to pray to know the love of Christ, which surpasses understanding or knowledge. And man, to be filled with all the fullness of God, that's right up my lane. I want that. Would you guys pray that and and sow that into your hearts? Okay, this one's a bit obscure. There's a context to it, but I will go through it very quickly. First Chronicles 12.32, it says, The sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. And I think it's going to be increasingly important for you guys to be armed and educated and like, where are we at right now? Anticipating and looking forward to the soon return of Jesus to grab his bride to go up there and we're going to be able to enjoy some time with him. Right? It's exciting. I appreciate that, Mimi. That'll be fun and exciting. But until then, listen, we're waiting. Hopefully you guys are expectant for the Lord Jesus Christ to come back. But until that time, we've got work to do. Like a lot of work. We get to do this. We get to be a part of this plan that he has. But then it noticed they also knew what they were supposed to do. And so I understand the times we're in. I understand the sway of the world. I see what's happening and how things are unfolding and whatever is going on. I see it. But what am I supposed to do about it? Well, hey, let's pray that God would show us what to do. And and we've talked about it. The harvest is plentiful. Like, let's get out there and do something about it, right? Right. It's not hard, not complicated. Just show us what to do, Lord. Show us how to handle this culture. Show us how to handle the sway of the world that we would be able to to appropriately, lovingly, graciously, and firmly respond in a way that people come to know him. We've got Acts 20.24, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus, to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. It's what we get to do. And it goes right in line with the last one, John 4, 34 through 35. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And I just got to stop and say, guys, listen, what satisfies you, satiates you, what fills you up, What gives you power? What gives you energy? What gets you up in the morning? Well, I'm thinking Jesus is saying it's to do and to finish the work of God. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. And I want that. I want that to be true for me. I really do. Like I'm with you in this whole thing. I want this to be true for me. I want this to satisfy me when I wake up in the morning. That means like everywhere you go, like your your job, your occupation, has so much more meaning when you're a follower of Jesus because you get to go to work, <laughs> you get to go to Meyer or Kroger or wherever you go, and it's for Jesus. And he might have a plan for you there while you're grabbing avocados. He <laughs> might have something for you, a person to interact with, <clears throat> someone to do ministry, to pray for, to, to minister to. I want this to be true. I'm asking you guys, listen, pray that our food would be to do the will of him who sent us. He does, he sends us out. 
and to finish his work. And then Jesus says, do, I, do you guys not say that there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Jesus says, oh, no, listen. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They are already white for harvest. And I think that was true then as Jesus spoke it to his disciples, but it is true today. 2,000 years later, the field is white for harvest. And we have this incredible opportunity to go out into a world that is increasingly becoming darker and darker. But guess who shines bright? You, as a follower of Jesus, filled with his spirit, are a bright light in a darkening world, and people need Jesus. And you guys get to go do that. I get to go do that. that let that be our food, something that feeds us and excites us. You guys get a chance to do that. As the world gets crazier and crazier, as it becomes more distant and more distant from God, culturally, institutionally, everything distancing itself from God, the world is going to become more and more broken and there's going to be more and more broken people who need hope and who need Jesus. Well, guess who has that? Y'all have that. We get to do that. I know you know this stuff, but it's good to be reminded. I hope you don't mind. Last week, we went through big, hairy, audacious, God-sized goals, God-sized prayers, big, hairy, audacious prayers, whatever you guys want to say, really big vision prayers, really big prayers. <clears throat> These are the things, and if you don't, didn't get that weird-looking handout you know, that looked hairy and stuff, we've got them out there. Grab it. It was just a way of sitting around your dinner table with your family and just praying through these things. How can we establish or have these prayers for our family? And then so dads, grab them and do it. I encourage you to lead your family like that. They're out there. Use them. What are they? Quick summary. These big, hairy, audacious prayers. These are things that are so big that only God could do it. These things are an antidote for your self-reliance because you can't do it. And so you're learning like, God, I will trust. I have to trust you for this. We were practicing it, right? It's a way of putting into practice things that we've discussed. These are the, a big, hairy, audacious prayer or whatever is something that you could never take credit for and never get the glory for, only the Lord. And so it becomes a witness to the world as to his power. If you remember, I shared three, three prayers that were answered at the same week that we were praying in 2019 and God just con it all converged in 2023 on the same exact week. Really neat. It's worth it, you guys. Labor in these prayers. God is sovereign. Big, hairy, audacious prayers, <laughs> they're not. And so we trust God with whatever the outcome would be, but I want to believe, right? We talked about the tension between I want to trust him and I want to believe, and you're supposed to, but I have to trust him with the results. Ultimately, my hope is not in the answer of a prayer, but it's in the God who answers prayers. That's where my hope is, right? It's in him. So consider that praying for these things stretches your faith. It moves you beyond what you can do. So it stretches it. That's healthy and good. It's uncomfortable. These things are uncomfortable to trust God for because it puts you in a vulnerable position to where you have a hope within your heart that God would answer a prayer that's deep. And if you pray for it and if you vocalize, it's like, oh, now you have hope that it will. But what if God has something different and you're crushed? Hey, guess what? I want to encourage you. God will meet you there in that pain and hardship. I think our job is to be led by him. What are we supposed to pray? And then we trust him. Even when there might be a result we don't want, when the healing doesn't come or whatever, man, I trust him regardless. 
That's a, hard, that's a hard thing to wrestle through. But I'm trying to encourage, right? We're just working through it as a, as a body of believers to really trust God to go deeper. These types of prayers are so big, they are not dependent upon your work ethic, your creativity, or your ability to plan. You really do just have to trust God to do something miraculous. And so develop these, right? Now today, what I want to do is take us through a real quick history of where this church came from. We did it last year. This will be a much more condensed version like I had shared. Um, but back in 1965, there's a guy named Chuck Smith. In Costa Mesa, he was pastoring a church of about 25. And little did they know <laughs> that God was going to pour out a spirit in what was called the Jesus Revolution. And a bunch of hippies got saved. A bunch of high schoolers. You guys realize that? It was high schoolers. That really started this whole thing. God just moved in the hearts of students. And Chuck Smith and Kay just created space, opened their doors for what God was doing. And that was in 1965. It grew and grew. There's the next picture you guys will probably know. It's a famous one. And it was on, if you guys have seen the Jesus Revolution. If you haven't seen Jesus Revolution, I encourage you to watch. It just stirs up your heart like something crazy. The thing's being weird, so it might not work. But it's the one where they're all doing the baptism, thousands of people getting baptized and just fun stuff. It's the heritage of where we come from as a Calvary Chapel. You might be thinking, wait a second, I didn't come to church at a Calvary Chapel today. Yes, you did. You just were tricked. <laughs> so horizon. So during this whole, this, during this whole movement, a guy, named, a guy named Mike McIntosh gets saved. And early on, and, and he's discipled by Chuck, and he goes down to San Diego, California, and he plants a church. He's, it started out as just a college ministry, and then it turned into, you know, thousands and thousands of people. And so Mike McIntosh goes, and he does ministry there in San Diego. That was in 1975 when he went down there and did that. And wouldn't you know it, but praise God, Bill and Vi walk in the doors of Horizon San Diego, and they give their lives to the Lord. And Bill served alongside of Mike. Here they are doing their thing. Bill's there on the right. Looking so cool. Looking so good, Bill. <clears throat> Serving with Mike there. My, uh, Bill and served with Mike for years. And just followed him around the world and just watched God do amazing works, you know, and seeing BHAGs come to, to fruition all the time. And praise the Lord, in 1988, God moved on their heart to come here to Indianapolis. And here we are, 30 was 34 years later, guys, we're sitting in the fruit of just people faithfully following Jesus, right? Um, started out when Bill and Vi got here, it was five people in an apartment. And then here it is now, today, you know? And so we rejoice, right? We praise the Lord for it. <clears throat> so that's a quick history. And then 2022, you guys got stuck with me. <laughs> so there's our family. Here we are. A little bit of the history of who we are as a church. We have a heritage that goes all the way back. It's fun. It's nice to know that. We're thankful, but these things go all the way back to Jesus. <laughs> okay, like we have no corner on the market. We're nothing fancy or special at all. I just know it's good. We've got a lot of people who are here today who weren't here a year ago, and we're thrilled to have you. But wanted you to get a little taste of, of who we are, where we come from, and then I hope it shows you where we're going. I'm going to tell you where we're going. It's the same direction that we've been going since... 1965, 1975, 1988, here we are in 2024, it's the same, nothing has changed. It was the same thing they were doing back when Jesus said, go and make disciples. It's like, we're doing the same thing. Nothing fancy. <clears throat> you might have heard it. 
What's our goal? What's our aim? We want to know him and make him known. And we're not just talking about some random him. I want to know Jesus and I want to make him known. That's where we're at. And that's what we're looking to do. And that's what we're aiming. How do we know him? How do we know him? Like here as a church. Well, it's our personal conviction here as a fellowship. Again, it's something we inherited from Chuck to Mike to Bill to then today is just teaching God's word chapter by chapter, verse by verse. So if you're new, we normally do not do a topical message. God, nothing wrong with that necessarily. It's just we have this really deep conviction, like we just want to be right here. And we traditionally, normally travel through it chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And then many of you are just getting antsy to get back into the word like we are normally doing. We're getting there. The 28th of January, that time is coming. I promise you it's coming. We'll get back to it. But just traveling in, this, in the beauty and the safety. I'm so thankful for God's word because it's just safe, like right there. I just want him <clears throat> and his word. So we travel through God's word, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, hearing, knowing, learning, loving, memorizing, meditate, loving God's word. <clears throat> knowing him, this is where I find him. And so my encouragement to you, Uh, as you do ministry, as God moves in your own heart, that you give people what they need, and that's God's word, because we find Jesus there, the history of redemption, his way, his methods. This is difficult, because if I go chapter and verse through every single book in here, you guys know what's going to happen. We are going to be confronted with difficult sections of scripture that fly right in the face of the world we live in, and the trajectory of the world. And so all of a sudden, I get confronted with God's word and interpreting it and and walking through it as we ought. God's word says this, but the culture says this. What do I do? Guys, listen, I follow him. I follow the one who created everything, the one who spoke the world into existence. I follow him. And so that's why we just spend our time in here, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And we do things like, there, there are times, you know, you look forward, it's like, man, there are sections of scripture. I got to be honest, I don't look forward to teaching through because it's controversial and hard. It's like, how do you shrink a church? You go through those sections, right? <laughs> but we don't do like church growth. We just want church health, right? We just want to be healthy. So we go through it. I hope you understand this. We are nothing special. I'm just saying, this is, this, these are our convictions, kind of like our core values that we have as a fellowship. I'm just articulating that to you so you know who we are. And I know you guys share so many of these convictions, which is why you come every single week, and you have for 35, 36 years now. Acts 20, 27, it was Paul saying, I've not shunned to declare to you the full counsel of God's word. When Paul said that, what was he talking to? He's talking about the Old Testament. We have it all right now, though. This is what God has spoken, and you guys are going to hear it. When you come on a Sunday morning, you're going to hear it. If you don't mind, let's do it right now. Get, go to Psalm chapter 1. I'm going to read the first three verses and encourage you guys to consider this. This is what I, I want to walk like this, you know, long story short. And to catch us up on where we are, we're just talking through who we are as a fellowship. You might think, why aren't we doing this for Vision Sunday? Vision Sunday, we're going to talk through ministries. We're going to talk through different things. Danny's going to share. I wanted this to be something that we could really cover. And so that's why we're doing it this morning. In Psalm chapter one, you see it says that blessed is the man. Oh, how happy. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. I'm sorry, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's the word of God. 
And in his law, he meditates, ruminates over, muses on it, thinks about it. He meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaves shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. That is what we desire here. I hope that is your aim and your longing is to know the Lord in such a way where, and to be in his word in such a way where you won't wither, but you'll prosper. Meditating in his word. I know him through his word. I know him by having a real life-giving relationship with God through Jesus Christ that's empowered by his spirit. It means it's not a religion, but like an actual real relationship where you know him and you find him here and Jesus ministers to you by his spirit. He speaks to you. Jesus said, my sheep will know my voice. But you minister. He, he speaks to your heart. He guides you and he directs you as you enjoy him and spend time with him but that you really know him and that you're surrounded by people who actually really do know the Lord and love him and follow him, that there's a genuineness and a sincerity about you. It's not a show, but it's a real thing that you just want to follow Jesus. It's as simple as that. 1 Corinthians 1.9, Paul says that God is faithful by whom you have been called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. That's koinonia, a deep and intimate relationship. To know him, to really know him. Not just facts about him, not just Bible verses about him, but you really know him. And finally, we want to make him known. I want to know Jesus, and then, once I know him, I want to make him known. I want other people to experience the love, grace, mercy, salvation that I have found in Christ. We want to be able to join Jesus in what he said it was in John chapter 17. I'll read verses three and four. Jesus speaking to his disciples, he says, this is eternal life that they might know you. I'm oh, sorry, he's praying to the Father in 17. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. He says, I've glorified you on earth. I have finished the work that you have given me to do. I want to make him known just like Jesus made the Father known. We get to make Jesus known that people can know the Father. I hope that you follow that. But we get to do this. What is eternal life? Knowing God. Being connected to him once again. What did sin do? It broke us away from God. I'm not connected to him any longer. When I die in my sins, I am eternally separated from him. But Jesus has made a way to bridge me back to God again. It's the cross. Jesus satisfied the wrath. Of God, I put my trust in the work of Jesus. We're going to celebrate communion in a moment. I put my trust in him, and he's fixed it. He's done it. If you're here today, you guys, you have purpose. Our life is his. Philippians 1, 19 through 21, beautiful section. Let me read it for you. It says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Hold fast to that. I want that to be my heart. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, 
which is God's. That's what you get to do. Like, check it out, you guys. You get to do this. Before you knew the Lord, you were dead in your sins. But Christ has made you alive. He is, he's brought you back to life. Your spirit now can witness to you. And the spirit of God says, hey, you can do this. You don't have to do that. You've been set free. The chains are off of you. You're no longer in bondage to your slave and in slavery to your sins. This is good news. We get to do this now. It's an act, it's actually an act of worship. To obey him is an act of worship. Praise God for what he has done. Thank you for Jesus. He's redeemed us. And now we're set free to do the things he's asked us to do. And each decision, each yes, is an act of worship. You guys have heard it said like this, that as a church, as a fellowship, we want to win a person to Christ. We want to disciple that person in Jesus, and then we want to send that person for Jesus when disciples send. The final thing that I want to mention, and then we'll do communion, and you guys can go do your thing, is to be filled with the Spirit. I had an exciting opportunity to teach in through Acts in the Bible college, and we went through Acts chapter 1 and 2 this last week. And in it, you might remember Jesus says, I want you guys to wait here in Jerusalem in that city. Like, don't go anywhere because <laughs> you need something. You need the Spirit. He says, I'll, I'm going to baptize you with the Spirit. And so we were just talking through that and trying to try to get an understanding of how this all works. And so we did a brief thing. You guys, we've been through it many times. Bill has gone through it many times. I've shared it many times. This is, again, a pretty condensed version of it. But I do want to present to you kind of where this comes from. Here's the idea. In John 14, Jesus, speaking to his disciples, says he's talking about the, how he's got to go and then he's going to send the helper, the parakletos, the one who's going to come alongside and help you and all that. He says, I, I have to go that so I can send you my helper. He says, the Holy Spirit or the helper is with you and will be in you, is what he says in John 14. So the ministry of the Spirit, there's three different things. The Holy Spirit is with you prior to salvation, drawing you. Come on, you need Jesus. And then it, Jesus says, he'll be in you. Well, when did that happen? Well, in John chapter 20, John makes this comment. He says that Jesus gathered them together. This is after the cross, after the resurrection. And Jesus, John comments, Jesus breathed on them. And he says, receive the Spirit. At that point in time is when we would understand they were sealed with the Spirit. The Spirit came into them and they were sealed. And then we see this other thing that Jesus says. So we've got the Holy Spirit is with you. When you're born again, the Spirit of God comes in you. And that's when you become alive, right? That's that section in Ephesians. You were dead in your stress, but he made you alive. Yeah, that's what he did right then, okay, when you're born again. But then there's this other work of the Spirit that Jesus says this. He says, don't go anywhere and don't do anything until you are filled with power. And so we see that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you'll be given power to be my witnesses. That's the whole point, that he gives you power to be his witnesses. And that, that happens then in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, where they're filled with the Holy Spirit. So the words, you'll be baptized. Actually, John the Baptist says that. Jesus says, I'm going to baptize you. Then they also use the word, the idea of coming upon you. Or you could say, be filled with. So we see scripture just uses all those different words. It's, one, it's the same work to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what I want to kind of leave with you is to ask that God would fill you with his spirit. We see all throughout the book of Acts, you guys have been traveling along with me, that it's a work that God will do when it's needed. When overcoming sin, God can fill you with his spirit. To be a bold witness for Jesus Christ, he will fill you with his spirit. 
He'll give you gifts of the Spirit. What's the point of those? To point right back to Jesus and to glorify him, to be a witness. Go to Luke chapter 11, and then I'll get out of the way. We can do communion. <clears throat> okay. Again, just throwing this on your laps and saying, do what you want with it. <clears throat> Luke chapter 11, Jesus just shared a parable about or a story about being really persistent in your prayers. Almost annoyingly persistent, right? And he encourages you, be annoying in your prayers. Persistent when you go to the Father. And then, then he says this in, in verse 9. So this is Luke chapter 11, and we're in verse 9. Jesus says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Please understand, there's a context to this, and a lot of it comes to just being persistent in your prayers. Listen, as you guys draw near to the Lord Jesus, you become like him. That's a ministry of the Spirit for you to be like him. You're being changed into the image of Christ. And as you draw near to him, guess what happens? Your heart changes. And your desires become like his. And as he places things on your heart that you're supposed to persistently pray for, he will answer those things. That's a part of believing. Remember Jesus in John eleven four? Didn't I tell you if you would but believe, you'd see the glory of God? Okay, God, help me believe and trust that you are a God of power who can do these things. Ask, seek not, right? He then says this in verse 11. If a son asks for a bread, sorry, asks for bread, will any, will any father among you give him a stone and uh, of course not, right? This is a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples, right? So just imagine it. So they kind of smile. Come on, Jesus. Well, okay, well, what if, he, what if your son asked for a fish? Will you give him a serpent instead? And they would have laughed maybe. Like, oh, that's so funny, Jesus. No, we wouldn't do that. <laughs> Whatever. And then he's like, well, what about if your son asks for an egg? <laughs> Would you give him a scorpion? And then all the disciples are like, oh, Jesus, you're so funny. No. But then he gets real serious, right? Jesus gets real serious. He might have been the whole time. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to add to anything. It's just funny to think it that way. He says, if you then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. And then guys, hold fast to these words. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so my thing is like, guys, would you ask him? Between you and the Lord, isn't that so sweet? You need no mediator. Is Jesus. Go to him and ask for him to give you the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus is saying that, I believe he's talking about what's coming there in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and Acts chapter 2, a filling of his spirit to enable you to do the things that you could never otherwise do. Hey, you want to be a good father? You need the spirit. You need filled up. You want to be a, a, a mom and a wife? You need the spirit. <laughs> you need filled up. You're not meant to do it on your own. It's his power that works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It's him who does it. I love that because what's our role is to know him and that's it, to enjoy him. And he does that work in us. What did Jesus say? Follow me. And guess what? He says, I'll make you fishers of men. It's a work that he does. He doesn't say, follow me and study and work really hard and then you'll become a fisher of men. No, he says, follow me and I will make you into a fisher of men. Guys, enjoy Jesus. Know him and make him known. I gotta be done. All right, Lord, we thank you for this time. Ask that you administer and I don't know, help it be driven deep into our hearts. We want you 
and we see the beauty of what you have accomplished on the cross, and we get to celebrate that now, and ask that as you come and meet us here, that we remember that your body was broken, your blood was shed on our behalf, and the beauty of what your word says, that you demonstrate your love for us, and that while we were still sinners, you died for us. Incredible demonstration of your love. That which, like, it passes our understanding. It passes our knowledge. But would you open it up to us again? Would you pour out your spirit on us as we remember the work that you have done? And trust you, would you bless this time? We're setting it aside to, to remember, just like you asked us to, Lord, to be so thankful for your love toward us that we're free. You're so good, Lord. We praise you. Bless this time now, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.